This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show. For all intents and purposes, the Trump Convention has begun. Excelsior. Best and brightest, I am Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 And for all intents and purposes, the Trump Convention has opened. Today, the news is filled with nothing but Trump, which is, of course, exactly as he would wish it. And those of us who pay attention, geeks such as we, Pay attention to this, to this stuff with good reason. Uh, and that is that the two big things in the news, which will very directly affect the next president of the United States, is or are the Republicans who are fighting to stage a palace coup, as we have been discussing for several months. It started in the form of Project 1236 which we had first and alone months ago, which turns out in the radio business means absolutely nothing. But if it entertains you, that's that's why I'm here. Uh, so Project 1236 has matured or devolved, depending on your point of view, to the point we are now, and Republicans are staging a palace coup or trying to question is, what are Republicans? Who are Republicans? Who is against him? Who is for him? All I know is that the Rules Committee is meeting today, and it's ugly. It's ugly. They got started, and then they were forced into a three-hour delay, a three-hour adjournment. These are all guys that get along. This is the club. This is the club. They all have the same secret decoder ring, and secret handshake, and two-way wrist radio, and all that stuff. So these are all supposed to be members of the same, you know, order of Republican Mason here. So they all meet, and the ones that agree and agree the most, they get to be the senior ones. They get to be on the committees. And the Rules Committee is the mother of all committees. And the Rules Committee can't get through a day. I mean, they're not nearly through a day. They couldn't get through a morning. They couldn't get through the first hour without adjourning for three hours. Why? Because the Palace Coup faction 
is fighting for this free the delegates rule. There are still a substantial number of people that hold rank within the bowels, pun intended, of the Republican Party who hold such influence or influence such that they can try to pull something like this off. And as you know, what they've been calling it is their free the delegates initiative. The whole idea being uh, they've changed it to um, they've changed it now. It's still free the delegates. But the other one is uh, we want a conscience clause. A conscience clause. So in other words, what it's like slavery. You know, if you if people go out stand in the rain and vote for you, get a babysitter, you know, drive in a storm and vote for you in a primary or a caucus, to expect that your vote means something all of a sudden now is enslaving the delegates. They're slaves. Free them. Free the delegates. Free the Chicago 8. Free Huey. Free Newton. Free Huey Newton. No, free Newton Gingrich. Because I don't think Newt's going to be picked. But anyway, the anti-Trump forces are fearsome. They are able to uh, throw a wrench into the Rules Committee. And that's a big deal. They don't want that story out there right now. Some do. But by and large, the people who have agreed to cut deals and try to do some semblance of the best they can do to get Trump elected, they don't want this. And that includes a lot of big rhinos like uh, Paul Ryan. And I, and I think it runs you know, even deeper than this for a moment. Uh, in a moment, I'll go to that. But know that right now, depending on what you'd like to see happen. The news is not good. The convention has opened. See, people don't know when the convention opens. No, but I don't. I can't tell you when the convention opens. What is it, Monday? But, I mean, when does the, when does the, when does, hear ye, hear ye. When does the convention gavel come down? When does it officially open? I don't know. I don't care. I mean, if things that are going to determine who is the next president happen today or Saturday, what do I care when the convention opens? What the hell did the convention mean? So the convention opens somewhere in, I think, Monday, but believe me, it's open. And the big fight is, ought, ought the Republicans free the delegates? Free the delegates. Or ought they not? Ought delegates be bound, as are the rules in most states, binding them to a vote for the person uh, for whom they were elected on the first round? The people against Trump want to insert, insinuate this conscience clause, and in so doing, they would free the slaves, I mean the delegates, And that would mean that Donald Trump would not win on a first ballot, probably. And all hell would, all heck would, come on, it's a Republican convention. All heck would break loose. And 
Then what? Well, then you get John Kasich. You get Henry Milk Toast as the Republican nominee. Probably John Kasich. And he's not only fighting it, he's been sending out fundraising letters saying, hold back on your support. Hold back on your vote. Here are all the good things about me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Well, I have forgotten about him, but evidently some others haven't. We'll take a quick break. one 3393 Have you a thought on whether the delegates ought to be free or whether we ought to abide by the rules as made so far or the rules as ultimately made by the Republican convention, which are the rules? They can make any, as we've been saying here for a year, they can make any rules they want. Starting five minutes before the convention, everything we thought they were going to do, they could change everything with the the drop of the gavel. That's it. It's done. It's a private club. You ain't in it. Neither am I. And then let's move on to the big, big question. We may have buried our lead. Who will be Trump's Veep? This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. On the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. Uh, what do you think? There, there is a depressing, at least minority view, within the audience. Within our, this audience, believe it or not. I, I, I detect that there is a, a, a depressing... Uh, minority but substantial view that freeing the delegates is a good idea. That the conscience clause is a good idea. Someone just tweeted, I think it was Caleb, hey look, I became a delegate so that I could cast my vote for the best candidate. No, you didn't. I mean, maybe that's why, okay, sorry, I withdraw. Maybe that's why you did it. You are the world's foremost authority on your opinion. If you say that's why you did it, that's why you did it. But that's not how you did it. Because everyone in America would probably like to be a delegate. They'd probably like to have a super vote, a super role in who gets chosen as the next president. So you decided, I'd really like to do that, so I'm going to do this. Fine. What did you anoint yourself? Did you appoint yourself? Did you fly out of the, uh, out of the pumpkin patch? No. The party 
uh, starting with, I suppose, the Central County Committee and then the State Committee. You did what they said, or at least you did what they liked, and then they liked you, and they made you a delegate. When you stop doing what they like, they will stop liking you, and you won't be a delegate anymore. So, I mean, I think what you do is is grand. I think the idea of the participation, the engagement, I think is absolutely marvelous. It's great. I salute you for it. But don't make a mistake, you know? Don't make the mistakes that teenagers make. Like all of a sudden at 14, you think you climbed out of the pumpkin patch. You like conceived yourself and you know everything there is to know. And one of the things you know is that the two stupidest people walking the earth just happen randomly to be your mother and father. Okay, well, you know, uh, delegates to conventions of which I've known Tens of thousands are like this. Well, you know, I'm a party official. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You're a party official. If this were the ocean, you'd be a guppy. You might, after 30 years of loyal service and servitude politically, you might grow from a guppy into a goldfish. You want to tell me you're a public official? Then... You're not on the floor of the convention. The biggest fish on the floor of a convention is a goldfish. Maybe an old carp. Party officials are up on the stage and behind the stage. And the guys who actually run things are in a little tiny room behind stage, which consists of the candidate and eight or ten other people that actually make the decisions that run everything out there in front of the cameras and throughout the entire convention center. So again, I appreciate your engagement with the system. I really do. It's heroic. It's 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 it's, it's truly uh, it's a highly American thing to do. It's truly patriotic. But please. Please, don't kid yourself or try to kid us when you say, well, I'm a party official, I'm a delegate, and I came here to do this. If you're a party delegate, you are doing something highly patriotic. You are also the lowest form of life uh, in the the ocean. The lowest thing at the bottom of the ocean is probably whale poop. I'm willing to say that you're a little bit above that. But in the hierarchy, and I'm not, I don't mean to be unkind, in the hierarchy of running things, delegates, you know what delegates are? Delegates are window dressing. Delegates are, that's a reward for doing the right thing, giving money, handing out stuff, making phone calls, being loyal. And then before there was television, they were there as a just because it was a great big forum and it was their reward to be there. Now that there's TV, what you are is extras. Think of the movie Spartacus or Ben-Hur. You know the thousands of screaming extras in the Coliseum during the chariot races? That's you! And guess what? 
the ones in the stands, in the chariot races, did they vote? Did they determine who won the chariot races? No. The charioteers did. The owners of the horses did. Nothing has changed. If you're a delegate, you serve at the sufferance of your county chairman. If he goes to your, if he doesn't like what you're doing, he'll say, go home. And he'll snap those credentials from around your neck. And if that's not good enough, he'll go to the state chairman who will come snap the credentials off your neck and get the state police to throw you out like a drunk. I mean, let's be, let's be real here, shall we? One triple eight nine hundred. Cynical, I know, but real. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Anyone doubts that's the way it works? Tell me. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. All right, and we go on to the next one. Pence, Pence. I need Pence. Do I need Pence? I have Pence. I have a jacket and Pence. I have a jacketed Pence. It's a suit. Why I need Pence? I have a perfect pair of Pence. Goes with my jacket. It's a suit. Why you ask me about Pence? All right. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, I may be here all week. The, everyone is saying that Trump's VP selection is going to be Indiana Governor Mike Pence. It, it, it makes sense because of all the uh, all the clues, but it also is a moment in the Trump campaign, if it's true, that's going to be a, a big, God, awful, huge moment, and I think a bad one. Why Pence? Why Pence? I've got a jacket in Pence. Uh, why Mike Pence? Well, <clears throat> Mike Pence, as you may know, is just the poster boy for the nice Midwestern kind of conservative, maybe, but not really. And what we get, like we talked about a couple days ago or yesterday, you know, ideology, geography, demography, you get, you get a guy that looks like Mike Pence, so you get his age group and everything he is, you get the fact that he's from Indiana, which is in a very important state in the Electoral College. And the, the, the problem there is he's up for re-election this year. And he can't do both. So one of the clues leading up to this is that apparently people around the, uh, the Secretary of State in Indiana have said that Pence has let them know he won't be filing papers because he has to file them, get this, by tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock in order to run again for governor of Indiana. And the real problem here is that most political pros I know say that if Pence ran again, Pence, why I need Pence? If Pence ran again for Indiana governor, he'd lose. So he's not exactly giving up the governor's seat in order to be a VP possibility. He'll want it to look that way, and so will Trump. But there are so many clues. There are so many Pence staffers getting on planes from Indiana, and this is what the media does. You know, This is when you start as a junior producer at Fox News or someplace. 
this is what you spend your time doing. It's okay. I think it's exciting. But, you know, they send you to the Indiana airport. And what you do is cruise these flight, these tail numbers, private planes. You play detective. You try to get a picture, an image of anybody known to be on the Pence team taking any flight out of Indiana and where it might be headed. And they have tracked some guys from Indiana to New York. So they're saying on that basis, uh, it looks like it's going to be Pence. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze. Well, you know what she meant. The Blaze. one 3393 On which partner line, partner Caleb has called. Welcome. Hi, Jay. It's Caleb. I love your show, Guru. Thank you very much. Is this Caleb from Twitter? Uh, yes. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Um, I Enjoy was your stuff. Uh, thank you. I was just calling because I didn't really understand how... The delegates elected me, and maybe in some states they elect you, but, Jay, here in Iowa, when I showed up to the caucus, the people elected three people, and then we elected more delegates, and we elected more delegates, and, sir, they even tried to take me off of a list because in my past I had gotten three OWIs and I'm a felon. So they said, nope, you can't be on the list. And I said, miss, you sent me an email that I'm on the list. We're at this precinct right now. I will use the Roberts Rules of Laws, and we will start removing names one by one, and we will be here all day. And they didn't want to be there all day. So they put somebody else on the list and they just scratched somebody's name off and said, let's do this. Caleb, my point is that no one who functions at the delegate level, and let's say you were the chief county delegate, okay? Yes, sir. Uh, Let's say you were the chief state delegate. You do not function autonomously. Yeah, and yeah, the notion and then, that you, go ahead. And then when everything's passed and it gets up there, they say, "Yeah, we know that the delegates decided this should be the platform, but I don't like what the delegates chose." And then it just gets goes away. So it kind of is almost like, "Well, I became a delegate for no reason." And it kind well, of I mean, I, look, I, I'm not saying I don't understand your frustration. What I'm saying is, we have to first acknowledge that delegates have no really have no inherent power, even if they're the state chairman from an important state like Iowa, say. You're the state chairman. Okay, you're the state chairman. Well, Paul Manafort, who's the director of the Trump campaign, has calls the state chairman into the room and says, Trump wants this. This vote's going to come up or it's not. And this is what I, Trump wants. This is what we're doing. Example. I have an exact example. Jeff Kaufman of the Republican Party of Iowa, he said, nah, even though Ted Cruz won, uh, everybody's going to have to vote for Trump on the first ballot. And he's trying to say that that's how it's going to be. So just wait it's right there with your example. That just proves your point. <laughs> but I well, appreciate that, you explaining but, it to but, me. But he has the power, uh, I'm guessing, to say that because... 
the rules of your uh, delegation and say that, that that's how it works. That's my whole point. You, you don't get to join a club by the rules of a club and then suddenly go rogue. Otherwise, a club, like any private club, can pull the rug out from under you, change your locker number, uh, you know, before you know, you show up and your key doesn't fit the door and they go, yeah, that's right. Put your stuff yeah. in a box and leave. So yeah, like I mean, you said that's before, the way it works. Like you said before, when, you when, Trump says, when Trump says uh, this is happening or Manafort decides this is or is not happening, and they call the state chairman. They don't even bother to call the state chairman into the room. They call, you know, four people into the room or one person, the state chairman coordinator into the room and say, get out a text to all 50 state chairmen that we're going to vote no, you know, on Proposition 3. And that's it. Yeah. And, and then it files down to the, and then when the, when the uh, state director send it to the floor, or he, this guy sends it to the floor, state directors see it, they may like it, they may hate it, they go around to their various county and regional uh, directors and say, we're voting no on three, and yep. they say, we have some people who won't do that, and you say, fine, get him out of the hall now. We have alternates. Okay. That is why you have alternate delegates, by the way. That is why people don't realize this. There are hundreds and hundreds of alternate delegates that go to the convention with the delegates. And if there's any problem of all, you know, drunkenness, public foul play. Yeah. If they walk out, here's an alternate. It's going to take your spot. Yep. You guys can march out as much as you want. We got it's a like a machine here. piece. Caleb, yep. it's a machine piece. They, t- yep. they take this. What's this? Let me take this one out of here. All right. Let's put this one back in. S- snap it on again. Machine is humming and working again. That's the, why uh, it's a political machine. The best part of being a delegate was I was able to meet people that were like-minded, that were actually like Republicans, that were Democrats. You know, like some of them were saying, you can't protect yourself. We, we need the TSA. Others would say, the TSA hasn't done anything for America. Because you have the Roberts rules where it's three for and three against, arguing the platform. And it was the best spectacle I've ever seen. And meeting so many like-minded people when I live like the socialist county of Johnson County, Iowa, it's so bad. <laughs> Hey, look, it's it's fun, and what you're doing is is greatly patriotic, and I don't mean for a second to denigrate it. I I couldn't admire it more. I'm just talking about some of the ugly truths, you know, about the the underside of all of this and what what people may or may not really, you know, uh, people may or may not understand about it. Yes. You're you're the best, Jay. I thank you for the explanation. Spending your time with me, you have a wonderful day, and I'll I love your show. Caleb, thank you very much. I count on your stuff. I love it. Thanks. Uh, that's Caleb. I thought of Texas, but apparently of Iowa, and certainly of Twitter, where you see him at J A Y underscore S E V E R I N. So back to <clears throat> Donald Trump's vice presidential choice, Mike Pence, governor of Indiana. Well, uh, I guess he brings Indiana, but as I say, since he is not a favorite for re-election, I'm not sure he brings Indiana. 
But that's okay. You don't really have to bring your state anymore. It's just a sort of sensibility. You know, again, everything's become sort of nationalized. So the fact that you're governor of Indiana sends a message to people in Michigan, Missouri, Wisconsin, etc., that, you know, you're one of them kind of thing. So he doesn't need to win Indiana, which is good. <laughs> uh, he's a rhino bridge because even though the media, and again, you will be fooled by this initially and repeatedly if Pence gets the nod, they will tell you that Pence is a born and bred and true uh, conservative. He is not. He is not. But a lot of people, I guess enough people who want to see a conservative think so. So I guess he is a rhino bridge, a rhino conservative bridge that gets you somebody that also knows, you know, how the Congress works. I wouldn't call him a master tactician like Newt. And here is the reason of all. I think they choose Pence if they do, if they do. This could all be still a civic circus maximus double play by the magician, uh, you know, the great Trumpini here. You don't know. He could be directing, misdirecting everyone's attention and, you know, pick Bernie Sanders tomorrow. You don't know what he's going to do. But if it, if it is what it looks like it is, which is Pence, Perhaps the biggest of all advantage vis uh, Pence is this. He is, if nothing else, a steady, sober partner who can fight Hillary. He is facile. He's articulate. So maybe the plan is this, and I think this is one of a few plans that certainly are on the drawing table. And that is, all these other guys would be great. Newt would be great, you know, Chris Christie. But you know what Pence gives us? He gives us a sober, level-headed, Midwestern guy who's a governor, who's been a congressman, who's pretty much known as a conservative. And his job is going to be to neutralize Hillary Clinton. We're going to put him on Hillary Clinton's case, and he's going to stay there for the entire campaign, while, meanwhile, Donald Trump is going to work on his teleprompter speeches. Now, this is a theory, and in this theory, Pence becomes the attack dog, and all of those things you generally see Trump saying about Clinton, you won't. You'll see Pence saying those things. And Trump will be giving a measured, sober you know, patriotic leadership speech showing that he has the temperament to be president. Because apparently, again, if they pick Pence, what they have decided is that Trump needs time to work on his image, to look more presidential. I think it's a loser. What do you think? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcoming back, I believe, Frank from Pennsylvania. Jay, a couple things. This may sound this may sound a bit like a rant, but uh, your charioteer your charioteer skipped a few laps. It's more like a gladiator (laughs) that during the general melee took a break to go to the privy and then came back and asked to be declared the winner. And what you described as the voting process for delegates may accurately reflect the way things have been done. But if you're taking away uh, uh, the discretion of the people voting that they have to, that they're forced into what they're voting for, that's not a vote. This is what we make fun of the banana republics and the communist countries for. Oh, yeah, everybody voted 100% for this. That This is not the, the way that the process was set up to begin with. This is a corruption. Do you believe, do you have in your community a private tennis club? I Golf probably club? do. Don't don't play tennis, but yeah, I, mean, I imagine there are. Golf club, it, probably, yeah, something. Sure. Do you believe they should have the right to establish and operate that facility even though they are obviously exclusive, literally exclusive? Okay. Let, as a private club. Nah, yes. Come on now. I think yes. too much of you as a you're private not going to resist yes, a yes do. or no answer. They do as a private club. Well, that's what, and you know what I'm going to say, that's what the Republican Party is. And when they set up, uh, you know, you're, anybody's allowed, we could have a thousand parties. We don't. We happen to have two and then some, you know, American Vegetable Party stuff on the side. But uh, yes, all of a side of American vegetables. Uh, we, we, we've got the two major parties, and they organize according to the people who join them. These things are the, voted on. They the, the, make vote the, the, the vote is irrelevant. The vote is irrelevant. You've reduced the honor of being a delegate to the honor of signing what you think is bad debt. You're, you're, you are putting your name... Your, your endorsement for something that you have no choice in, no discretion in, and that's not a vote. Well, then well, I quit. have it. It's dishonest. Quit. It's quit. dishonest. It's quit dishonest. the club. Can we just admit then it's quit. dishonest? Then quit Can the we club. admit it's a dishonest because it's not a vote? No. Let's quit calling it no. that. It's not no, a vote. No, it's a private it's, club. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, no. It's a mandated it's endorsement. It's a mandated endorsement. No. Your choice no, it's is, not. Is, is not to... to there's no vote. When it's you a mandated a endorsement. If you had you be- a choice between voting and not voting, that is a choice. There's your discretion. If you take away that discretion, then it's there's no vote. It's not a. It's not. You're, it's no one takes it away. No one takes it away. You voluntarily, as a delegate, abandon it. To the party. You just told all of us that they will take your ID and toss you out on the street like a drunk. Right. Didn't you? Then there's yes. not a choice. No, you there's no because choice. you're violating the rules of the club. <laughs> you you abandon no, You're saying that there that you, you give have up to vote certain... what they tell you to vote. Okay. Frank, I think we've taken this as far as we can. I appreciate it. You know I love you. Call back again. But I need a minute to explain because you're confused. Someone's confused and it isn't me. 
when you become a member of a golf club, you give up the right to urinate on the 18th green. It's been a long day. Had a lot of brewskis. I think I'm going to drain the old lizard right here uh, up by the bunker at the top of the 18th, right in front of the full view of the clubhouse. What does that mean? You live in a fascist state? They won't allow you to do that? No, you just don't belong to that golf club anymore. When you become a delegate to a party, you agree to certain conditions. We're going to have a primary or a caucus. And as a result of that primary or caucus, we are going to express, our voters are going to express a voice for one candidate. And then you will be obligated to vote for that candidate on at least the first round of balloting as a delegate because it's a special rule, special club, special position. On the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, the Veep, I hate that word, why do I use it? The vice presidential running mate, watch, is on for Donald Trump. We think we know who it will be. I hope we are wrong. We are soon to find out. Yes, it will affect whether or not Trump has a chance. Very toss. Welcome back, best and brightest. Jay Severin, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. And uh, somewhat unusually, we will begin with one of our partners, David from Boston. Welcome. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank uh, you. Much like you, I am a big fan of Doug Schoen, and Sunday night when I saw his prediction that Mike Pence would be the vice president. I made a sizable wager offshore, so I'm very much looking forward <laughs> to cashing that in. Well, you know what? I, I, I will I will feel responsible if you don't, but your bet's looking good, and I, I tell you, I don't see any reason why Doug would say anything he didn't know in advance to be true. Agreed, agreed. Um, my question is, you know, you know we've been talking about the uh, the ologies that the vice president selection brings um as far as geography goes if we weren't going to win indiana then what are we doing here anyways you know and demographically well, i think, I'm not I think sure it's it more additional vote. i think we call it more of a uh mike pence is more of a midwestern tactic than it is an indiana per se tactic uh, agreed i suppose yes so I, I guess we're left with an ideology, but I, again, who even knows at this point? I just, I, I'm not sure what it brings 
you know, any additional votes in. I'm, I'm kind of discouraged. That's why I had to go to the more or less down to the, uh, if not the bottom, at least the uh, the least exciting part of the barrel and say that maybe, I mean, knowing how these things work and what happens in these rooms from personal experience, maybe what happened was they said, all right, look, all things aside, Newt gives us another circus. We've got a circus. Uh, Christie gives us no constituency and kind of an unknown and he can't even deliver New Jersey or any neighboring states. You know, we're not sure what he what he does for us. Meanwhile, we do know what the Clinton campaign strategy is. It's to destroy Trump. And we're going to need someone who can play a, a fairly presentable attack dog. You know, not do it in a nasty way, but <clears throat> effectively be the spokesman for Trump going after Clinton while Trump plays the statesman. Because if, 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 if Trump has to carry the nasty part of the fight every day, then I'm afraid he's going to be too scarred, too bloodied by the time Election Day comes. Now, I'm just, this is, you know, I'm making up this dialogue from within the the quote-unquote room, whatever the room is. And I'm thinking maybe that's what they think Pence gives them, is they give him nothing much. They don't give him big headlines or big excitement. They don't give him any thrills or chills, but they don't give him any spills. And meanwhile, he can be the uh, the traditional guy, if you will, while uh, uh, Trump gets to work alone on his image. I, you know, that's great, but I don't think, I think you have to dance with the one that brung you. And I don't think a Trump Pence ticket is the one that brung me. David? David, we lost David. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So I, I just don't, I'm just so unexcited and, Part of this could be that, like many of us, uh, I plead guilty to being addicted to the the adrenaline of this race. You know, I, I'm a news junkie. I, I want excitement every day. Now, think of what Newt Gingrich would give you. Think of it. But, you see, maybe they have thought of it. <laughs> and maybe it's not exactly what they want. Maybe it's exactly what they don't want. You know, maybe you don't want Donald Trump and Newt Gingrich. Maybe you don't want, uh, you know, the two big rock bands on the same act competing with each other. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think it will be Newt. I certainly hope it will be. But within the last few days, my sense that it was going to be Newt, the people I talked to, uh, what I sense from the coverage, I just don't get a sense it's going to be Newt. Uh, I hope it's not Pence. I don't want it to be Christie. The only, the only hope left here for uh, particular geeks such as we is that Donald Trump is doing what he has so often done, and that is uh, fool everyone. 
He has directed our attention like a magician over here while he's busy with the rabbit in the hat over here. And that tomorrow morning he's going to make an announcement at 11 o'clock. And this is about a pre-announcement so far as much as you could get. Everyone's saying it's Mike Pence. But 11 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow is when Trump promises to tweet and appear at a New York hotel and give the announcement. And there are just too many clues. It's not the speculation of journalists that I count on because they're dummies. Uh, it, it is clues. And when the, the journalists dig up clues, that's what I listen to. And what we've got is a lot of people flying from uh, Pence's uh, headquarters in Indiana to New York and other movements of things they look for. And, you know, it's enough to it's enough to say maybe they're right about their guesses. Who would you like to see on the ticket? Mike Pence, Newt Gingrich, or Chris Christie, or, again, whether you're for Hillary or Trump or somebody else, what do you think each of those choices does or does not do? Which one ought Trump pick? And maybe if you're on the other side, which one would you like him to pick in order to hurt himself? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 Call, complain, offer bon mot as appropriate to our brain shmorgash board. one 3393 So they're saying it's Mike Pence. Uh, that's great. And I hope Trump has a good plan. Because Mike Pence is not going to buy you, buy him, anything, really. And it's going to be a bu- the bummer of all time. No one is tuning in the convention next week to see Mike Pence. <laughs> to see Mike Pence speak. I'm sure he's a splendid fellow. Nobody is nobody is watching for that. Now, in terms of polls, you may have heard today that the latest uh, New York Times CBS poll released, first of all, that poll is worthless. But beyond that, let's assume it was accurate. It would be accurate about what? It says that Clinton and Trump are tied 40-40. Okay. Neat, keen, swell, grand. There's only one problem. National polls measure something we don't have. It's like if you go to the butcher, you know, and you say, those lamb chops look good. 
And the butcher says, okay. And he puts a tray up there on the scale and says, uh, I can give you uh, four Kopetskis. I can give you four Kopetskis of lamb for nine Muletskis. And you, like, take a second look at the cough syrup you had earlier and, and say to him, what? What did you say? See, he's not speaking English. This Pole is not speaking English. And though it may be too early to do this uh, particular sermon, uh, it's worth a mention. National Poles can be indicative. They can be somewhat useful. But remember that we don't have a national election. It doesn't really matter that that voters, let's assume the findings are correct of CBS, uh, New York Times poll or uh, NBC, Wall Street Journal or ABC, Washington Post, whatever it is. L- let's let's assume that this one's correct, that voters likely to vote are tied 40 percent each with uh, Clinton and, and Trump. OK, what does that mean? I mean, we don't have a national election. So if tomorrow, where do you put the where, where do you put the forty and forty? How do you distribute that vote? We don't have a national election. We have fifty individual state elections for president, which coincidentally culminate on the same date. None of them other than momentum or image or the bleeding of some sentiment from one state into another for or against another candidate, we don't have a national election. So on election day, 50 individual states vote with 50 individual results. And each of those 50 individual states have electoral colleges uh, or are represented within the electoral college. That's what matters. Don't talk, as I said from day one here, don't talk to me about a national poll. I'm not saying it's worthless, but mostly worthless. Talk to me about individual swing state polls. And right now, and right now, Donald Trump is either leading or tied in the three most important swing states. That's where we have election, in the states. And in the three most important swing states, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, Donald Trump is tied or winning. This is after $100 million of negative advertising against him by, maybe more, by Hillary Clinton. See, she is not gaining. Now, he's not exactly topping the charts either. But look at look at how he's treated. Look at how he's regarded. Look how little he's doing for himself and his campaign when it comes to fundraising or getting a, an idea out there, a message of the day or something like that. And in Florida, Florida... 
Pennsylvania, Ohio, they're tied. Or he's ahead. She's, she, she, she's going to lose. Is what that says to me. I'll give you 30 years worth of experience in running campaigns all over the world and tell you right now, I'm not saying she's going to lose, but she's she could maybe well lose. Her problem is not, you know, there's no there's no champagne and ice buckets in the Clinton campaign when someone comes in and says, "Hey, Mrs. Clinton, great news, we're tied with Trump nationally." Tied. What do I want from Tide? Tide does me no good. Tide means I'm losing. Tell me how I'm doing in the important swing states. Well, not so well, Mrs. Clinton. That's what she has to worry about. All right. It was only a matter of time, but black groups are now complaining And this is heartbreaking, including the NAACP, the great NAACP. Lo, how the mighty have fallen. Black groups, including the NAACP, are lining up with the uh, profoundly left-wing, un-American Black Lives Matter, anti-police Black Lives Matter, anti-white people, anti-law and order. And the NAACP joined. And they're now referring to the assassin of the Dallas police as a lynching, a modern-day lynching. You know who said that? Uh, Field Marshal... Field Marshal of the Field Marshal of the North Carolina Black Panther Party. Field Marshal. And there is a movement now, fairly active, to suggest that the little R2D2 boom. When they sent in the little R2D2 to blow up the assassin, that that was somehow unfair. It was a modern-day lynching. Yeah. All this guy did was kill five cops and, you know, have seven others in the hospital. So the idea is what? To let him kill how many others? But you take him out by straightforward means, and this is what you have to deal with? It's that it was a modern-day lynching? Really, have people taken leave of their senses? Also, when you look at what was the august organization of civil rights in America, the NAACP, and you see them now, talk about falling on hard times. When you see the NAACP when you see the faces of Dr. Martin Luther King and Ralph Abernathy and others, when you consider what the NAACP was, uh, 
and then you see it side with a field marshal of the Black Panthers who says that this is a lynching. I know it's terrible, but politically, I must tell you, I welcome it. I I do. If my political adversary is going to be stupid, I welcome and encourage it. And if that's how it's going to break down, because this is not the NAACP of 1960. This is not Martin Luther King. These are violent Stalinists, left-wingers, taking left-wing money to go from state to state and cause riots. And if they, in their intemperance and stupidity, want to say that taking out the assassin of five police officers is a lynching, guess whose side will be on? Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Call one 888 You know, another big deal uh, about the upcoming Republican convention, which in spirit has opened and which technically still has a few days to go, will there be violence? I'm speaking of black groups and sorry, but that's, you know, if there's going to be organized violence against the Republican National Convention, it's going to be done by the Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter, uh, right? I mean, I, I still it's, hope it's okay to use reason and, and truth here. I, mean, I wonder who that will most benefit. I believe I mentioned this yesterday. And I believe the net benefit's going to go to Donald Trump. I think there's a reason he said, I am the law and order candidate. I think that's because he anticipates there's going to be trouble. Law and order trouble at the Republican convention. And it's going to be broadcast through American living rooms, coast to coast, And I appreciate that some people, I hope they're not voters, I hope they're not legal voters, and I hope they don't vote even if they're illegal voters, will, of course, be siding with the protesters. But it's a pretty good bet that the people who vote will be siding with the police. The people will be siding against the violence. People won't see why it's necessary to uh, beat people, punch people, slash people, knock them to the ground, kick people because they disagree with you on a political issue, which, of course, is the order of the day 
when it comes to uh, to political response. So we'll be looking for that at the more formal beginning of the uh, of the convention. And you know, yesterday I darn I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention it. The uh, multi assassin of Dallas police, Micah Johnson, <clears throat> whose cause has now been taken up by the Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter as his being the victim, that we denied him a trial, the field marshal. You got it? The field marshal of the North Carolina Black Panther Party, field marshal, uh, said that uh, this this guy was lynched. It's a modern-day lynching. Sending in the little robot, uh, bam, to blow him up is, uh, is a lynching. Believe it or not, if you want to be frightened, you want to, are you frightened by horror movies? Here's a horror movie. People you know agree with that. They may live next door to you. You may work with them. They may be in your own home. I don't know. But there are people who agree that that was a lynching. That was a denial of due process to the assassin of five police officers. Hmm. Okay. It's a way of thinking, I suppose. And uh, last night, at 5 o'clock, the Blaze TV network broadcast an interview with Micah Johnson's parents, that is to say, the, the assassin of the police, his parents, his grieving parents who believe that he was lynched by the system. Uh, well, he was interviewed on uh, The Blaze last night, and I'm sorry I forgot to tell you that so you could watch it live. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who finally snapped her twig yesterday, <laughs> offering grossly inappropriate remarks uh, about, and it doesn't matter whom, by the way, it happened to be about Donald Trump. And uh, she did something that members of the bench are never supposed to do by the canon of ethics. And that is to make uh, comments, especially critical comments, about political figures or political issues uh, in current civics merely for the notion that they are supposed to be above all of that, and they must, in effect, be kept all above it uh, in order that they can rule on these matters uh, and not, you know, do so with any bias. It's, it's against the canons of a, the number one canon of a federal judge to speak critically of a political person or situation. Uh, publicly, because we have to believe that that judge, even though the notion is utterly ridiculous to us, like we don't th- we don't think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, we 
We think she has no bias. She's got an open mind. Well, she does. If you think of it as a hole at one end and a hole at the other, and it just, whatever's in there falls out the other ear. Yeah, that kind of open mind, but uh, like a drainage ditch. But, you know, to think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't have a bias, but she's not supposed to show it. So yesterday she snapped her twig and went off on uh, Donald Trump in a variety of uh, ad hominem ways. And he responded by Twitter saying it was too bad she had shamed us all and the court. She owed us an apology and she should resign, which is exactly what she should do. That's absolutely correct. That is exactly the right remedy here. She should resign. And Trump added that her mind is shot. (laughs) Well, today, following, I might add, and maybe this had influence, maybe it did not. I'm guessing it did. Both the New York Times and the Washington Post uh, uh, as long as, uh, I'm sorry, along with several other papers, uh, opined on their editorial page that what she did was hideously inappropriate, gruesomely, grotesquely inappropriate, should never have done it, and ought to rescind her words. And guess what? Today, Ruth Bader Ginsburg called her words ill-advised, which is one of the great Washington dodges for not saying I'm sorry or I did something wrong. My words were ill-advised. Like, oh, someone someone told you to say them and you agreed with them? And now you, you know, feel guilty about it? You see it was wrong? Anyway, her her remarks were ill-advised and she expresses regret for having made them. The bottom line of this remains that her mind is shot and has for a long time been shot uh, uh, per Trump, and she needs to get off that court and get off while a Republican can replace her, frankly, uh, personally, and also needs to know that she can't sit now on any case which specifically or broadly touches on the separation of powers, nothing having to do with the president of the United States, which these days is almost everything, if you follow the court. Well, the next time anything vaguely having to do with the president of the United States comes before this court, there is no way that... Ruth Fuzzy Bader Ginsburg uh, doesn't recuse herself. Now, if she doesn't, there will be a scandal. And I don't know to where, to which court we could possibly appeal if the Supreme Court is crooked. But now she must recuse herself, which I would hope would still happen at that level. And that means the liberals, the left, will lose a vote. And so in virtually any case involving virtually anything having to do with the presidency and presidential powers with this upcoming election, 
um, like it should, should it end up in, say, the Electoral College, and we end up with another Gore v. Bush case. You know, it could happen. The reason we know it could happen is that it did happen. And we know that something that has already happened is far more likely to recur than something that has yet to occur. Yes, we know this by the physics of life and the physics of physics. Something that has already at least once occurred is more likely to recur than something which has never occurred. And uh, the bottom line uh, of that lovely physics lesson is the big mouth mind shot Ruth Bader Ginsburg will have to recuse herself and the left will lose a vote or ought to on any really important case for the next several minutes that she remains upright and thus on the court. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. So, as we leave the top deck this evening, and we uh, turn the ship uh, over to the mates to handle until we uh, rejoin uh, tomorrow, look at it this way. It's absolutely remarkable how close this campaign still is. You will see a lot of attention paid to the 40-40 split in the national poll. But again, remember, we don't have a national election. And what that, what that number means when they're taking votes from different states and putting them in a big pool and splitting them up, I have no idea what that means. I understand why they do it, because it's stupid and simple and quick. And everyone could say, what's the score? But like most things in life, it ain't that easy. What we have are 50 individual state elections. And if you pay attention to anything, pay attention to this. That the newest polls as of today, which reflect the polls of the last 48 hours, show that Trump is ahead in the three most important key swing states of Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Now, that that is, the reaction to that inside the Hillary campaign is easy to know. That is bad news. It's bad news because Hillary's national polling lead is good only for people who go on TV to do talking points. The, it, it has no other application. The fact, the fact that Trump is ahead or tied in those swing states is more indicative of anything important than anything else we've got. And I think more so because right now, 
Uh, Trump is, uh, sorry, Clinton is running a full-time campaign. I don't think it's a great campaign or anything, but it's a full-time campaign. And Trump is kind of running, uh, I don't know, a Trump, a Trump campaign. And a Trump campaign, I, normally we would say, well, that just won't do. But it's apparently doing. Again, this, you know, any 10 or 20 national polls you could show me and whatever they say are not nearly as significant as when you show me a poll from a key swing state. So don't tell me who's ahead and behind in America. Tell me who's ahead and behind in Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, New Mexico, Colorado. You know, Give me a choice of about eight states, swing states. Let me know what the polls look like there, and I can tell you what wins. I'll tell you this. We're on, we are on reasonable track for the following phenomenon. Clinton could win the popular vote, but lose. She could win the popular vote, but lose in the Electoral College. Think of that. Think of that. See, I'm not put off. I'm not put off by the riots. I love when the other people riot because they're so upset. I love winning, and I'm an ugly winner. And you imagine if Clinton wins the popular vote and the, the dumb people in America say, but she won, but she won. And the Electoral College says, no, she lost. Wouldn't that be the most delicious way for her to lose? You want to see people of the left apoplectic? That's Severin. how. On the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, the Veep, I hate that word, why do I use it? The vice presidential running mate, watch, is on for Donald Trump. We think we know who it will be. I hope we are wrong. We are soon to find out. Yes, it will affect whether or not Trump has a chance. Very toss. Welcome back, best and brightest. Jay Severin, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three, and uh, somewhat unusually, we will begin with one of our partners, David from Boston. Welcome. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank uh, you. Much like you, I am a big fan of Doug Schoen, and Sunday night when I saw his prediction that Mike Pence would be the vice president. I made a sizable wager offshore, so I'm very much looking forward <laughs> to cashing that in. Well, you know what? I, 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 will, I will feel responsible 
if you don't, but your bet's looking good. And I, I tell you, I don't see any reason why Doug would say anything he didn't know in advance to be true. Agreed, agreed. Um, my question is, you know, you know, we've been talking about the uh, the ologies that the vice president selection brings. Um, as far as geography goes, if we weren't going to win Indiana, then what are we doing here, anyways? You know, and demographically, well, I think, I'm not I think sure it's more additional vote. I think we call it more of a uh, Mike Pence is more of a Midwestern tactic than it is an Indiana per se tactic. Agreed, I suppose, yes. So I, I guess we're left with ideology, but I, again, who even knows at this point? I just, I, I'm not sure what it brings, you know, any additional votes in. I'm, I'm kind of discouraged. That's why I had to go to the, more or less down to the, uh, if not the bottom, at least the uh, the least exciting part of the barrel, and say that maybe, I mean, knowing how these things work and what happens in these rooms from personal experience, maybe what happened was they said, all right, look, all things aside, Newt gives us another circus. We've got a circus. Uh, Christie gives us no constituency and kind of an unknown, and he can't even deliver New Jersey or any neighboring states. You know, we're not sure what he what he does for us. Meanwhile, we do know what the Clinton campaign strategy is. It's to destroy Trump. And we're going to need someone who can play a, a fairly presentable attack dog. You know, not do it in a nasty way, but <clears throat> effectively be the spokesman for Trump going after Clinton while Trump plays the statesman. Because if, 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 if Trump has to carry the nasty part of the fight every day, then I'm afraid he's going to be too scarred, too bloodied by the time Election Day comes. Now, I'm just, this is, you know, I'm making up this dialogue from within the, the quote-unquote room, whatever the room is. And I'm thinking maybe that's what they think Pence gives them, is they give him nothing much. They don't give him big headlines or big excitement. They don't give him any thrills or chills, but they don't give him any spills. And meanwhile, he can be the uh, the traditional guy, if you will, while uh, uh, Trump gets to work alone on his image. I, you know, that's great, but I don't think I think you have to dance with the one that brung you. And I don't think a Trump-Pence ticket is the one that brung me. David? David, we lost David. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so I, I just don't... I'm just so unexcited. And part of this could be that, like many of us, uh, I plead guilty to being addicted to the the adrenaline of this race. You know, I, I'm a news junkie. I, I I want excitement every day. Now, think of what Newt Gingrich would give you. Think of it. But, you see, maybe they have thought of it. <laughs> and maybe it's not exactly what they want. Maybe it's exactly what they don't want. You know, maybe you don't want Donald Trump and Newt Gingrich. Maybe you don't want uh, 
you know, the two big rock bands on the same act competing with each other. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think it will be Newt. I certainly hope it will be. But within the last few days, my sense that it was going to be Newt, the people I talked to, uh, what I sense from the coverage, I just don't get a sense it's going to be Newt. Uh, I hope it's not Pence. I don't want it to be Christie. The only, the only hope left here for uh, particular geeks such as we is that Donald Trump is doing what he has so often done, and that is uh, fool everyone. He has directed our attention like a magician over here while he's busy with the rabbit in the hat over here. And that tomorrow morning, he's going to make an announcement at 11 o'clock. And this is about a pre-announcement so far as much as you could get. Everyone's saying it's Mike Pence. But 11 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow is when Trump promises to tweet and appear at a New York hotel and give the announcement. And there are just too many clues it's not the speculation of journalists that I count on because they're dummies. Uh, it, it is clues. And when the, the journalists dig up clues, that's what I listen to. And what we've got is a lot of people flying from uh, Pence's uh, headquarters in Indiana to New York and other movements of things they look for. And, you know, it's enough to... It's enough to say maybe they're right about their guesses. Who would you like to see on the ticket? Mike Pence, Newt Gingrich, or Chris Christie? Or, again, whether you're for Hillary or Trump or somebody else, what do you think each of those choices does or does not do? Which one ought Trump pick? And maybe if you're on the other side, which one would you like him to pick in order to hurt himself? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 Call, complain, offer bon mot as appropriate to our brain shamorgash board. one 3393 So they're saying it's Mike Pence. Uh, that's great. And I hope Trump has a good plan. Because Mike Pence is not going to buy you, buy him, anything, really. And it's going to be a bu- the bummer of all time. No one is tuning in the convention next week to see Mike Pence. <laughs> to see Mike Pence speak. I'm sure he's a splendid fellow. Nobody is nobody is watching for that. Now, in terms of polls, 
you may have heard today that the latest uh, New York Times CBS poll released, first of all, that poll is worthless. But beyond that, let's assume it was accurate. It would be accurate about what? It says that Clinton and Trump are tied 40-40. Okay. Neat, keen, swell, grand. There's only one problem. National polls measure something we don't have. It's like if you go to the butcher, you know, and you say, those lamb chops look good. And the butcher says, okay. And he puts a tray up there on the scale and says, uh, I can give you uh, four Kopetskis. I can give you four Kopetskis of lamb for nine Muletskis. And you, like, take a second look at the cough syrup you had earlier and, and say to him, what? What did you say? See, he's not speaking English. This poll is not speaking English. And though it may be too early to do this uh, particular sermon, uh, it's worth a mention. National polls can be indicative. They can be somewhat useful. But... Remember that we don't have a national election. It doesn't really matter that that voters, let's assume the findings are correct. Of CBS, uh, New York Times poll, or uh, NBC, Wall Street Journal, or ABC, Washington Post, whatever it is. L- let's, let's assume that this one's correct. That voters likely to vote are tied 40% each with uh, Clinton and and Trump. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, we don't have a national election. So if tomorrow, where do you put the, where, where do you put the 40 and 40? How do you distribute that vote? We don't have a national election. We have 50 individual state elections for president which coincidentally culminate on the same date. None of them, other than momentum or image or the bleeding of some sentiment from one state into another for or against another candidate, we don't have a national election. So on election day, 50 individual states vote with 50 individual results. And each of those 50 individual states have electoral colleges uh, or are represented within the electoral college. That's what matters. Don't talk, as I said from day one here, don't talk to me about a national poll. I'm not saying it's worthless, but mostly worthless. Talk to me about individual swing state polls. And right now, and right now, Donald Trump is either leading or tied in the three most important swing states. That's where we have election in the states. 
And in the three most important swing states, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, Donald Trump is tied or winning. This is after $100 million of negative advertising against him by maybe more by Hillary Clinton. See, she is not gaining. Now, he's not exactly topping the charts either. But look at look at how he's treated. Look at how he's regarded. Look how little he's doing for himself and his campaign when it comes to fundraising or getting a, an idea out there, a message of the day or something like that. And in Florida, Florida... Pennsylvania, Ohio, they're tied, or he's ahead, she's, she, she, she's going to lose, is what that says to me. I'll give you 30 years worth of experience in running campaigns all over the world and tell you, right now, I'm not saying she's going to lose, but she's she could maybe well lose. Her problem is not, you know, there's no, there's no champagne and ice buckets in the Clinton campaign when someone comes in and says, hey, Mrs. Clinton, great news. We're tied with Trump nationally. Tied? What do I want from tied? Tied does me no good. Tied means I'm losing. Tell me how I'm doing in the important swing states. Well, not so well, Mrs. Clinton. That's what she has to worry about. All right. It was only a matter of time, but black groups are now complaining. And this is heartbreaking, including the NAACP, the great NAACP. Lo, how the mighty have fallen. Black groups, including the NAACP, are lining up with the uh, profoundly left-wing, un-American Black Lives Matter, anti-police Black Lives Matter, anti-white people, anti-law and order, And the NAACP joined. And they're now referring to the assassin of the Dallas police as a lynching, a modern-day lynching. You know who said that? Uh, Field Marshal. Field Marshal. of the <laughs> Field Marshal of the North Carolina Black Panther Party. Field Marshal. And there is a movement now, fairly active, to suggest that the little R2-D2, boom, when they sent in the little R2-D2 to blow up the assassin, that that was somehow unfair. It was a modern-day lynching. Yeah. All this guy did was kill five cops and, you know, have seven others in the hospital. So the idea is what? To let him kill how many others? But you take him out 
by straightforward means, and this is what you have to deal with? Two minutes. It's that it was a modern-day lynching? Really, have people taken leave of their senses? Also, when you look at what was the august organization of civil rights in America, the NAACP, and you see them now, talk about fallen on hard times. When you see the NAACP, when you see the faces of Dr. Martin Luther King and Ralph Abernathy and others, when you consider what the NAACP was, and then you see it side with a field marshal of the Black Panthers who says that this is a lynching. I know it's terrible, but politically, I must tell you, I welcome it. I I do. If my political adversary is going to be stupid, I welcome and encourage it. And if that's how it's going to break down, because this is not the NAACP of 1960. This is not Martin Luther King. These are violent Stalinists, left-wingers, taking left-wing money to go from state to state and cause riots. And if they, in their intemperance and stupidity, want to say that taking out the assassin of five police officers is a lynching, guess whose side will be on? Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Call one 888 You know, another big deal uh, about the upcoming Republican convention, which in spirit has opened and which technically still has a few days to go, will there be violence? I'm speaking of black groups and sorry, but that's, you know, if there's going to be organized violence against the Republican National Convention, it's going to be done by the Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter, uh, right? I mean, I, I still it's, hope it's okay to use reason and, and truth here. I, mean, I wonder who that will most benefit. I believe I mentioned this yesterday. And I believe the net benefit's going to go to Donald Trump. I think there's a reason he said, I am the law and order candidate. I think that's because he anticipates there's going to be trouble. Law and order trouble at the Republican convention. And it's going to be broadcast through American living rooms, coast to coast. And I appreciate that some 
people. I hope they're not voters. I hope they're not legal voters. And I hope they don't vote even if they're illegal voters will, of course, be siding with the protesters. But it's a pretty good bet that people will be the people who vote will be siding with the police. The people will be siding against the violence. People won't see why it's necessary to uh, beat people, punch people, slash people, knock them to the ground, kick people because they disagree with you on a political issue which, of course, is the order of the day when it comes to uh, to political response. So we'll be looking for that at the more formal beginning of the, uh, of the convention. And, you know, yesterday, I, darn, I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention it. The uh, multi-assassin of Dallas police... Micah Johnson, whose cause has now been taken up by the Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter as his being the victim, that we denied him a trial. The field marshal, you got it? The field marshal of the North Carolina Black Panther Party, field marshal, said that uh, this this guy was lynched. It's a modern day lynching. Sending in the little robot, uh, bam, to blow him up is uh, is a lynching. Believe it or not, if you want to be frightened, you want to are you frightened by horror movies? Here's a horror movie. People you know agree with that. They may live next door to you. You may work with them. They may be in your own home. I don't know. But there are people who agree that that was a lynching. That was a denial of due process to the assassin of five police officers. Hmm. Okay. It's a way of thinking, I suppose. And uh, last night, at 5 o'clock, the Blaze TV network broadcast an interview with Micah Johnson's parents, that is to say, the, the assassin of the police, his parents, his grieving parents who believe that he was lynched by the system, uh, was interviewed on uh, the Blaze last night. And I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that so you could watch it live. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who finally snapped her twig yesterday, <laughs> offering grossly inappropriate remarks uh, about, and it doesn't matter whom, by the way, it happened to be about Donald Trump. And Uh, She did something that members of the bench are never supposed to do by the canon of ethics, and that is to make uh, comments, especially critical comments, about political figures or political issues uh, in current civics 
merely for the notion that they are supposed to be above all of that and they must, in effect, be kept all above it uh, in order that they can rule on these matters uh, and not, you know, do so with any bias. It's it's against the canons of a, the number one canon of a federal judge to speak critically of a political person or situation uh, publicly, because we have to believe that that judge, even though the notion is utterly ridiculous to us, like we don't we don't think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, we. We think she has no bias. She's got an open mind. Well, she does. If you think of it as a hole at one end and a hole at the other, and it just, whatever's in there falls out the other ear. Yeah, that kind of open mind, but uh, like a drainage ditch. But, you know, to think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't have a bias, but she's not supposed to show it. So yesterday she snapped her twig and went off on uh, Donald Trump in a variety of uh, ad hominem ways. And he responded by Twitter saying it was too bad she had shamed us all and the court. She owed us an apology and she should resign, which is exactly what she should do. That's absolutely correct. That is exactly the right remedy here. She should resign. And Trump added that, Her mind is shot. Well, today, following, I might add, and maybe this had influence, maybe it did not. I'm guessing it did. Both the New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, uh, as long as, uh, I'm sorry, along with several other papers, uh, opined on their editorial page, that what she did was hideously inappropriate, gruesomely, grotesquely inappropriate, should never have done it, and ought to rescind her words. And guess what? Today, Ruth Bader Ginsburg called her words ill-advised, which is one of the great Washington dodges for not saying I'm sorry or I did something wrong. My words were ill-advised, like, oh, someone someone told you to say them and you agreed with them and now you, you know, feel guilty about it? You see it was wrong? Anyway, her, her remarks were ill-advised and she expresses regret for having made them. The bottom line of this remains that her mind is shot and has for a long time been shot Uh, uh, per Trump, and she needs to get off that court and get off while a Republican can replace her, frankly, uh, personally, and also needs to know that she can't sit now on any case which specifically or broadly touches on the separation of powers, nothing having to do with the President of the United States which these days is almost everything if you follow the court. Well, the next time anything vaguely having to do with the president of the United States comes before this court, there is no way 
that Ruth Fuzzy Bader Ginsburg uh, doesn't recuse herself. Now, if she doesn't, there will be a scandal, and I don't know to where, to which court we could possibly appeal if the Supreme Court is crooked. But now she must recuse herself, which I would hope would still happen at that level. And that means the liberals, the left, will lose a vote. And so in virtually any case involving virtually anything having to do with the presidency and presidential powers with this upcoming election, um, like it should, should it end up in, say, the Electoral College, and we end up with another Gore v. Bush case, you know, it could happen. The reason we know it could happen is that it did happen. And we know that something that has already happened is far more likely to recur than something that has yet to occur. Yes, we know this by the physics of life and the physics of physics. Something that has already at least once occurred is more likely to recur than something which has never occurred. And uh, the bottom line uh, of that lovely physics lesson is the big mouth, mind shot Ruth Bader Ginsburg will have to recuse herself and the left will lose a vote or ought to on any really important case for the next several minutes that she remains upright and thus on the court. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show. So, as we leave the top deck this evening, and we uh, turn the ship uh, over to the mates to handle until we uh, rejoin uh, tomorrow, look at it this way. It's absolutely remarkable how close this campaign still is. You will see a lot of attention paid to the 40-40 split in the national poll, but again, remember, we don't have a national election. And what that that number means when they're taking votes from different states and putting them in a big pool and splitting them up, I have no idea what that means. I understand why they do it, because it's stupid and simple and quick, and everyone could say, what's the score? But... Like most things in life, it ain't that easy. What we have are 50 individual state elections, and if you pay attention to anything, pay attention to this. That the newest polls as of today, which reflect the polls of the last 48 hours, show that Trump is ahead in the three most important key swing states of Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Now, that, 
<laughs> that is uh, the, the reaction to that inside the Hillary campaign is easy to know. That is bad news. It's bad news because Hillary's national polling lead is good only for people who go on TV to do talking points. The it it just has no other application. The fact the fact that Trump is ahead or tied in those swing states is more indicative of anything important than anything else we've got. And I think more so because right now, uh, Trump is, uh, sorry, Clinton is running a full-time campaign. I don't think it's a great campaign or anything, but it's a full-time campaign. And Trump is kind of running, uh, I don't know, a Trump, a Trump campaign. And a Trump campaign, I, normally we would say, well, that just won't do. But. It's apparently doing. Again, this you know, any 10 or 20 national polls you could show me and whatever they say are not nearly as significant as when you show me a poll from a key swing state. So don't tell me who's ahead and behind in America. Tell me who's ahead, uh, ahead and behind in Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, New Mexico, Colorado. You know, give me a choice of about eight states, swing states. Let me know what the polls look like there, and I can tell you what wins. I'll tell you this: we're on, we are on reasonable track for the following phenomenon: Clinton could win the popular vote, but lose. She could win the popular vote, but lose in the Electoral College. Think of that. Think of that. See, I'm not put off. I'm not put off by the riots. I love when the other people riot because they're so upset. I love winning, and I'm an ugly winner. And you imagine if Clinton wins the popular vote and the, the dumb people in America say, but she won, but she won. And the Electoral College says, no, she lost. Wouldn't that be the most delicious way for her to lose? You want to see people of the left apoplectic? That's how. On the Blaze Radio Network.